Hello and welcome back to Fan Critical, where this week we are taking a break from our regular scheduled uh, programming in uh, How the Fuck Have We Not Seen That, uh, The Worst of Netflix, to bring you a commissioned podcast. Yes, and what is a commissioned podcast, you ask? It's very simple. Uh, we have a Patreon page. You can go to www.patreon.com forward slash fancritical and on there there is an option where every month you can support us by giving us a certain amount of money uh, and for a certain tier that gives you the option to commission a podcast once a month and today's commission podcast comes from Beth Panico one of our dedicated Patreon supporters so thank you very much Beth one of our favourites one of our faves and uh, she has requested that we cover the extremely controversial uh, and legendary film that is A Clockwork Orange, directed by Stanley Kubrick. And today I'm joined by my Australian partner in crime, even though we're not actually Australian. No. Uh, Brits abroad, you yeah. were. It's Gareth. Yeah, I thought you were going to say your extremely controversial and legendary partner. In yeah, crime. that would have worked as well. That worked. This is what happens when you don't write the intros, no. see? Yeah, no, should have thought um, about that. Yeah, so we just finished watching, and I'll set the scene. It's a Monday afternoon. Uh, Gareth is on uh, sort of school holidays. I am unemployed uh, between jobs, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had a Monday afternoon watching um, watching a Cockroach Orange, and you know, it is, I said before we watched it, I said we'll settle in for an afternoon of, of rape and debauchery because essentially that's yeah. what it is. And then we watched Clockwork Orange. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, it is. It's a. It's a difficult film to watch, isn't it? It's. <laughs> it's bizarre. I mean, we had a. We had a beer, and you know, we obviously, mm. you know, tried to enjoy the film as much as possible. But I'll throw it over to you first, Gareth, to talk about uh, your experience watching. You've obviously seen it before. We've all seen the film before, but yeah. this is one of those films that, for me, you don't go and sort of rewatch on a yearly basis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get the family around for Christmas. Can you imagine? Yeah, just sandwich it in between the Home Alones. Yeah, yeah. yeah you need something to break those up. So <laughs> why not? Uh, um, well, no, I'll be, I'll be honest. This is only the second time I've seen it, mm. uh, and the first time I saw it was probably about ten years ago. So, yeah. um, I, I, I'm glad that I've watched it again and have reminded myself of it. You see, yeah. the language I'm using is really carefully chosen. Yeah, you have to be careful, yeah. Because I'm not going to say I enjoyed watching it no. again, I, I'm, but I'm glad that I have. Um, mm. It's an important film in a lot of ways. Like, you've you've got to have seen Clockwork Orange, I think. I have to say, though, that despite... I mean, in in addition to all of its obvious challenges... Uh, you know the actual nature of the movie. Mm. There are parts of the film halfway through that are really quite boring as well. Yeah, and that <laughs> that's an additional challenge. It's a Kubrick way of things: long, long drawn out sequences and yeah. lingering shots. And it's it isn't an easy watch. And to no. be honest with you, I hadn't seen it for about five years. Uh, I'd say maybe even more, but I'd seen it a lot. I've seen it a few times before that, obviously studying like film and TV and stuff. Like when I was a kid, obviously it's a must-see film. A lot of controversy surrounding this film, obviously banned in the UK in 1972 or three, Mm. when Kubrick himself requested that the film be banned because there were lots of like gangs and hoodlums being portrayed in The Sun and different newspapers here in England. Don't mention The Sun. Yeah, exactly. 
and uh, he decided that it was too violent for the UK. Every other territory in the world was actually still showing the film. It wasn't until 2000 that The Clockwork Orange was shown again in Britain. Mm. And uh, obviously there were pirated copies from Europe all over the place. Like It's not like this film hadn't been seen. It actually got this sort of like cultist sort of grandeur to the film because yeah. of it. Um, but I did not enjoy watching this <laughs> film. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, look. I love Stanley Kubrick and I understand this is a, an important film for several reasons. But there comes a point where you watch this film over and over again. This like I said, probably about the fourth or fifth time I've seen it. And I'm just like, I don't need to see this film. Like <laughs> we, we do a blueberry rating system here. So I think I think we need to blueberry it first and then contextualise what we think about the film and go through All some right. of the main so points. So blueberry system, yeah, yeah. zero to five blueberries, yeah. zero low, five high, no mm. half blueberries. You can't half them. Strict scoring system, harsh but fair. As the host of this, yeah. you're going to go first. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know what I'm giving it. I already knew what I was giving this film probably before I watched it. And the, the only thing that would have swayed me is if I had watched it this time and found some semblance of enjoyment out of it, <laughs> which I didn't. Right. Now, not to say that I don't think you should enjoy all films that you watch. I want to categorise that right now. Like there are certain films that are hard watches yeah. that you, 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 you know, you, you watch them for a different reason. Schindler's List. You know, lots of films like like this. They're films that are important films that you 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 don't necessarily enjoy watching because they're quite visceral and they can be quite. Um, some of the things you see are, not, are obviously not good. Yeah, they're challenging. <laughs> they're challenging. So I'm going to give this four blueberries. Now, the reason is it deserves four for several reasons. Mm. Some of the art style, uh, the the fact that bringing the novel to life and just the way that Kubrick's done it is is extremely interesting. And of course, this film, which has no real genre, yeah. you know, it's, it's an interesting one. It treads so many different borders, but I just don't enjoy the film. Yeah. And that's the problem. Like, whereas other films, you kind of get the impression that you're learning something from the film. I don't learn anything when I'm at this film. Like the main character in this film, yeah. you know, Alex. He, co- he ends up back where he started. He Back where he started, yeah. he doesn't learn anything in this film. Mm. And he's a disgusting, despicable, horrible character that you have no sympathy for whatsoever. Yeah. like and, and, and for me, because there's a lack of growth, and that is obviously the point, I think in the novel, I mean, he, he does have a mature section in the novel at the end where he is like reformed slightly because of his experiences but if you take this film you know as it is yeah bookended the way it is yeah there is nothing um about this film well and this character that is endearing i think it's it's interesting that you've given it four on that basis i've given it four for the filmmaking yeah the importance of the film yeah but for me, I just don't... I like Stanley Kubrick a lot. Like, I love his films. 2001, Shining. Um, amazing films. And you see a lot of elements of his filmmaking in this that are in those films. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Um, especially performance-wise from some of the characters, including Alex, who I do think gives a fantastic performance. Some of the shots as well, the framing of the shots. The framing of shots, the sort of insanity about it. Yeah. Well, I get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. Uh I, but I think there's a difference. I think you can you can recognise the importance of a film, yeah. and 
I mean, really, you could you could recognise a film as being really important, mm. but personally think that it's absolute shit. Yeah. But like you could do that. 100%. I, I don't think this is absolute shit because it is technically too good. Yeah. And it's... I Personally, like, I'm still kind of... I was drawn into it. I was drawn into that world. Mm. And I was super intrigued by this sort of... By this post-apocalyptic dystopian vibe. This London. dystopian, yeah, vibe that was being given off. Um and the language in it mm-hmm. is is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, from a technical perspective, it's awesome. But it's, I mean, <laughs> it's it's deliberately so. But the treatment of women is um, is appalling, despicable. It's yeah, like unreal. Um, and like li- literally, there isn't a single woman in this film that's under the age of thirty that isn't raped or mm, under the age of 30 be, yeah yeah there are a couple of like scientists older ladies on. yes yeah. yes but any young woman in this is is like it's an over sexualized film and that is obviously something that we're, they're trying to set as world building yeah. because you've got you know the art of the time is very over sexualized yeah. the uh, all art in this film essentially is sexual but I quite like that no that's I, interesting I, yeah that's that's a good element and I suppose that would then it's yeah, it's, sort of, it's like the characters in this world are desensitized to sex to the point where it becomes nothing more yeah. than um, an act or something. It's just always there, you know. But that, that's it's hard to watch. Um, yeah. And uh, and like I said, the middle section of the film I actually found really dull. <laughs> in um, the prison, yeah, the prison is dull. But I think that's the point of the prison scenes. But yeah, fair. Um, but sign this a, document, please, and this one. One more signature. <laughs> and actually, if I can just rip this in yeah. half and you yeah. watch me do that and then sign the bit at the bottom. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah. Uh, so I'm giving it three blueberries. Ouch, and that's, but that's, that's with, with the caveat with that the caveat. it is obviously, understandably, an extremely important film. Exactly. That has created its own genre, done loads of things for filmmaking yeah. that we cannot deny. And I can appreciate what it is. Yeah. Um, Am I going to recommend settling in on a Sunday night to, uh, to watch it again? Pour a glass of red. Probs not. Probably not. No, mm. no. And that we make, we sound down about the film, but there's actually a lot of th- th- things that we do probably like about it. But let's talk about the um, the main story of the film, which follows uh, Alex, yeah, um, who is a charismatic little man, mm. um, a northerner in England. Uh, so his accent stands out quite a lot. Yeah. Mancunian, I think. Maybe Yorkshire. I couldn't yeah, quite place tough, it. Tough to place. Yeah. But he leads a sort of little misfit, you know, gang. Yeah. Um, and they basically go out at night and, and cause terror around London. And you get the sense that the world that they're living in, the city, England is in sort of a very interesting place. Like we don't know what's gone on. Um, but there's a, the rise in crime is a massive issue. The lack of policing uh, and the world itself is just bizarre, and it's very weird I, to I see. I love that. I yeah. love that. I like the unsettlingness of the world. Like yeah. you feel unsettled. Like what is going on? And these sort of abandoned areas, and yeah. the fact that there's Which just look sort cool. Of, there's like rubbish everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, London is there is quite a lot of rubbish in London still. Uh, not to that. Level. Not to that level. No. Um, so you follow this 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 band of thugs uh, as they 
do heinous crimes in the evening. And we're not just talking, uh, you know, little crimes. We're talking rape uh, and murder, essentially, mm. at, at one point. Eventually. Um, and Alex is their leader. He's got this sort of alpha male presence who he, he feels threatened by some of the, the other gang members and sort of tries to assert his dominance again. But on uh, one job, uh, they basically... Uh, trick him into going in there he confronts this very very posh woman who mm. owns this health club and she speaks like this yeah, i'm frightfully, it's sorry. frightfully I, sorry to call it this I sh- hour i shan't allow you into the home mm. and uh, an evening. <laughs> he uh, breaks in and kills her with a, a a cock and ball sculpture i think that's the only way of describing, that's the only way of describing it, it. Yeah. that's the only way of describing it and basically gets framed. His friends smash him over the face with a glass of milk. He doesn't really get framed, does he? I mean, he did do it. He did do it, yeah. <laughs> but they, they prevent his escape, yes. essentially. Um, and as a character at this point, you already dislike Alex to the point of where he is such a cocky, arrogant fuck, basically. Yeah. Um, other than the actual performance here, which is fantastic um, from Malcolm McDowell... It, there is nothing likable about this character at this point. And no. you, 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 what you want to see in this character is you want to see him, you know, imprisoned and reformed to some extent. Now, what actually happens is he gets imprisoned and you can tell that he doesn't really give a fuck about being there. He's just doing everything that he can to get out of prison. Mm-hmm. Um, turning to the good book or the Bible, yeah. um, you know, and visualizing himself as the Romans <laughs> punishing Jesus yeah. and crucifying him. I mean, look, you know, whether you're a religious person or not, um, you can tell from this that he is not into the reformation in prison no. sort of situation. He's thinking about one thing: how do I get out of here and go and do some more punishing? <laughs> He's once again no redeemable features of this character. No. Um, so he hears about this treatment called the, the Ludovico technique, which is something that they are trialing on this new government that has come to power and has promised to crack down um, on crime with law and order. And basically, they were going to reform prisoners uh, with this Ludovico technique and release them instantly. Within two weeks of doing this technique, they will release them. And they promise that they will not be able to do anything violent or sexually violent uh, ever again. And mm. they'll be model citizens if yep. you were and uh he goes well i've heard about this treatment i want to have a go at this treatment what do you think about this treatment gareth well i think the the big question of the movie is um is around this and the fact that it's like they've been they've had free will taken from them and the, is it worth yeah is it worth removing that element of free will which is mm-hmm. essentially what makes a person an individual person yeah can you if you remove that and get rid of any violent instincts yeah is that worth it mm-hmm. that's the question really isn't it yeah um and i don't know uh it's quite a big philosophical question maybe it is worth it if you could if you could have have it so that nobody would ever commit a crime again and those who were inclined to commit crimes mm were almost half human. Jesus. Is that worth it? That's the question. Well, it's a form of capital punishment, this is. I think it is, isn't it, when you think about it's it? It's literally killing someone, I think. It's removing do, do, who do, do, Doing this is are. killing someone. Uh, so I, probs not. So probs not. Yeah. I'm against that. <laughs> but what I will say is, um, 
it's it the technique itself is is very interesting it kind of this and for anyone who needs reminding of the technique it is basically his eyelids are he's given a drug his eyelids are wide open the whole time yeah um, someone's literally there putting drops in his eyes as he watches horrific uh, scenes of debauchery, violence, rape, um, stuff like Hitler, concentration camps. Mm. And offset against this is the fact that he feels sick every time that he then sees... Is he made to feel sick? The drug, I think, I think they're helps. giving him the drugs and yeah, him sick. makes him feel sick whilst he watches those images um, to the point where he gets paroled out in front of an audience say oh look this definitely works look we can release him into society now because we've got this terrible actor coming out who just slaps him and tries to make him fight back and then basically he ends up just retching which is a horrible noise i hate hearing the retching and it is disgusting and let's face it the next 45 minutes of the film he does a lot of it there's a lot of retching going on (laughs) so once again good performance (laughs) keep retching um they you know after that terrible actor goes away uh, this naked woman comes out again because that's just the way this film is and that's yeah. to prove that he is cured from sexual violence as well. What I thought was interesting during this was the reaction of the prison officer who is <laughs> the most sort of... He's a hilarious character. He takes his job very seriously yeah. in the prison and then you just, they just cut away of his face, his eyes and his smile lights up when this woman he walks out he's loving he's seeing the naked woman but to be it. fair I did look across the sofa and saw you pulling the same face <laughs> <laughs> oh very good um, and basically yeah he's cured against uh, sexual acts as well not just sexual violence anything sexual he wretches so mm. for this character who obviously from everything we've seen from his character his inner monologue who is he's narrating the story to us he uh, that is his whole psyche is mm. violence sex and ludwig van beethoven the ninth symphony so this is the one part of the character where you can sort of say okay there is something more to him than Violence, mm-hmm. something more to him than sexualizing. Sexualizing, and uh, is that even a word? Sexualizing. Yes. Yes, it is. I think it is. Sexualization. Yeah. Yeah. Over sexualization. Um, yeah. There's something more to him, which is this appreciation of classical music. And in this world, it's hard to know where classical music sits because it's sort of that dystopian world. Yeah. But you imagine that something like Beethoven is held in this great artistic regard. So this character is obviously very uh well educated he's a very smart character like you know that about him and it's interesting to see this different side of him where he likes beethoven right yeah well uh, i mean like you say you don't actually know where it is it could be the equivalent of like rap yeah which i like yeah yeah and it also should be holding high regard i know you do and it's all personal preference but it could be the stuff that gets played on commercial radio here yeah that might be the equivalent we don't know but commercial radio here is terrible in australia i have to say that really bad yeah big time um but uh you're listening to dingo and the baby (laughs) so then you just play fart noises yeah i hate it anyway more fart noises coming from this podcast soon hopefully patreon exclusive (laughs) 
don't pay for that. <laughs> don't pay for that. No. Um, pay for more of these, if anything. Anyway, continue. Um, but no, you do. You still, you still get the sense that it is his. Uh, well, he's he's a slightly more intelligent character than like his goons, for example. Oh his, my god, his, his Drukes than um, uh, Dim, as they call him. Dim, Georgie boy. George and Boy, the, the, other, the one. other one who doesn't really get a mention ever and <laughs> no. disappears from the film. That cracked me up. He does nothing. Yeah. Um, he says, right. Oh, right, right. Right, right. Right, right. Once, I think. Yeah. That's it. But he, he's obviously, he's more intelligent than them. And oh, much more Particularly dim, obviously. So, yeah, that sort of that sort of adds into that that element of his character. Mm. You know, he's a bit, a little bit more cultured. Yeah. And, and I think... Talking about the way they, these guys, and it's like the whole language of this film, because you say cultured and you say, we say they're intellectual. It's very difficult. I said to you before we even started watching the film, I was like, I remember this. Can we put the subtitles on, please? Yeah. Because I need to see these. Sometimes I like watching films with subtitles anyway. I think it's very interesting. And it gets, sometimes you miss things. Yeah, yeah. Little background. Throwaway the, lines that are very is interesting. Why you and I need to watch movies more often together yeah. because we both like that, and yeah. both of our girlfriends do hate not it. like that. Correct. Um, um, let's and, stop watching. And them. basically, I was like, "There's some weird." I remember there's so many weird words in this film, and yeah. I just need the context. The moment we tried to find the subtitles, there weren't any available. No, we couldn't find them. It was devastating because after doing a bit of research, Gareth, this film is basically narrated in a, a thing called NADSAT, which is a fractured adolescent slang of Slavic, English, Russian and Cockney rhyming slang. <laughs> I mean, right. so... And we don't speak any of those languages, no. basically. So, so we were going through this film and we were like talking about it as we were watching it, obviously. And we're like, oh, yeah, it's quite Shakespearean. It's got elements of Cockney. It's very old English. But well, there were so many words where we were just like, I need to see this spelled out. I need yeah. like Malacca and, yeah. you know... Vidi. He has a lot of pain in his Gulliver, which does make sense. Yeah, there's, like the old, there's the old there's the old Cockney. Look, look in the old Gulliver. I but, have got a pain in my old Gulliver, I have. <laughs> I'd be interested to know what words were Slavic. Yeah, exactly. Like, where, where when was that? Said? That's why I wanted the subtitles. Yeah. So But but it did that I think that's a that's a really cool element of this film. It is a cool and element. I said to you at the time, I was like, it's it's kinda like Shakespearean. And that's not to like over inflate what has happened in this movie. I, I don't I haven't read the book, so no. I'm guessing that some of the some of the, the terminology is similar in the book. I, imagine but it's I don't the same. know. Um, this is why we need Emma on this podcast because she will have read it. She will have read it. hundred um, percent. But but it is quite cool because there's like basically new words invented and there's oh. the way that they speak is yeah. that kind of over elaborate kind of monologue esque oh yeah way of speaking. And it just, it did remind me of, of Shakespeare. Um, and, you know, I don't know whether whether Shakespeare would be happy. It lacks about the that. elegance of Shakespeare, I'd say that, in the situational sense. Eggsy-wegsies. Egg- oh, I'd love some eggsy-wegsies. Said Shakespeare. Maybe <laughs> um, Shakespeare said. Oh, it would be said Shakespeare, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so there is a bit of culture to this film. It, it's all over the place culturally, and that's what makes it interesting. But anyway, let's go back to what's going on with um, Alex and his eggsy-wegsies. Mm. And he uh, now feels sick. Whenever he he's released back into society, and he now feels sick when any any violence happens to him, and he goes on this what I would call very much tropey journey of going literally revisiting every scene where he has caused heinous yeah. crime before. You could say that the where he lived 
um, and his, what he's done to his parents and their livelihood and the way he was before. Mm-hmm. That's a heinous crime. Sure. He goes back there where he meets their new stand-in son called Joe, who's Joe. just sitting there eating toast. Crack me up. <laughs> What's he doing there? Just sitting there like, who's this Malacca eating the toast on our sofa? <laughs> That's our new son, Joe. And Joe does not give a shit. He I like is. Joe. I like Joe. Joe says he's it like just, it is. Yeah, he's just sitting there eating his toast, Good like boy. whatever. Good boy, Joe. Um, so he goes. He goes back home. So then he gets turned away from there. Um, and then he goes and visits. Uh, he gets. He gets accosted by a, an elderly gentleman who asks for some money. And if mm. you remember, he had ten pence piece when he went into prison. And he gives the 10 pence piece to the old man and realises that that is the uh, first old man that you see in the film that he beats up with his yeah. with his thug group. And then the old sort of hobo group turn and, and attack him. Yeah, so like, they give him a right walloping. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, thank you, police officers, for coming over and saving me. And he looks up and who are the police officers? <sighs> Fucking Dim and Georgie boy. Dim and Georgie boy. Of all the police it's officers. In all, in all of London. In all police officers. <laughs> Uh, and they basically take him out into the, to the rural area of London, which apparently now exists. Yeah. Um, and I was saying this to the guys as we were watching it because, you know, li- lived in London a long time. And it, it takes a little while to get out into the sticks like those sticks are. Not in this movie. Uh, because there is not many places, I'd say this for free, around London, which have that. I mean, London is a very green and luscious place. <laughs> but there's not little small villages dotted about on the outside. It's very... No, with like very abandoned built, yeah, exactly. horse feed troughs. It's and, very built up. Um, anyway. anyway, so they drive out... This was out the there. 70s, you Could, know? Yeah, Things fair, were a little, little bit different. Well, they drive out into the wilderness, apparently, and uh, dunk his head in a trough for what seems like three minutes. Definitely dead. <laughs> He's definitely dead. Definitely dead. dead. <laughs> and he got out there and said, what are you worried about? <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically, he's. they leave him for not dead essentially even though he should have definitely been dead but they leave him there in the middle of nowhere and he's there's a storm raging on and he's mm. wandering you know the the rural farmlands and where does he come across <sighs> scene of his home he comes crime. across home yeah. which is the scene of uh, where he raped um a woman basically and beat up her husband beat up her husband to the point of crippling him mm. and now he is back there hoping that he's not recognized hoping that he, uh, his mask at the time was good enough or whatever. And this is the moment where you sort of realise that there is nothing redeemable about this character in the slightest. Yeah. Because he, he, he's got away with it, essentially. The, the guy who is now the, he's the writer, the man that was crippled, the husband of the wife, who has now killed herself, well, no, she died of pneumonia. She died of pneumonia, but she, he, he firmly he, believes that it was her giving up because of yeah. everything. Now, he's got away with it. The guy doesn't recognise him. The guy is actually, uh, what you would say, is probably very liberal and disagrees with the new institution that's in charge of, of the country and disagrees with their methods of, re- you know, the way they are trying to deal with the criminal uh, issue yeah. by doing this. And he recognises him from the paper and he says, oh... I'm going to get some people around. We're going to prove that the method used on you is bad, whatever. Mm-hmm. Go and take a bath. He goes and takes a bath. And this is just how much of a despicable, horrible character yeah. that he is. He starts singing. And when this rape was going on um, at the start of the film, he does a very, very good impression of Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain. 
singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling! I'm happy again. He's dancing around, jumping dancing on the around tables, with a cane, crippling the old man, and then raging. Just like in singing in the rain. <laughs> Jesus, but with some good dance moves along the way. Yeah. And he's singing the song, and it's very—it's obviously a very iconic scene. That scene. Um, but he's lying in the bath, and he starts singing the song, singing in the rain. Now, he's seen this man now in a wheelchair, who has taken him in. Yeah. Given him warmth and shelter. Mm-hmm. Not like that. Yeah. Uh, well, I have to say that Julian's an interesting character, but we'll come on to him in a minute. <laughs> Given him warmth and shelter and then to rub it in his face, he's singing that song because that is the only way he can articulate his now violence and sinister nature. Is that how you read it? 100%. The guy is an absolute piece of work psychopath ultimate psychopath he has no disassociation between what that singing that song would do to someone like that see alright so he sings the song while he's in the bath he sings loud enough for um, old old boy to realise old boy to realise and we get a very Kubrick-esque shot yeah when it cuts to old boy listening to him and his face is very Jack Nicholson in the shine very Jack Nicholson um uh, and he's and the the sound effects as well. It's all like they're yeah. It's very sharp. It's yeah. very Kubrick. Um, I thought, fucking idiot. Why has he done that? Fuck, nah, fuck, Todd. He's he's doing mate. He, he sings it trouble, so yeah. loud. He starts off low and then he sings it so loudly to the point where he wants it to be heard. There is this incessant nature about him which is disgusting and despicable, and he cannot. He wants. There's no way he can articulate his violence anymore other than singing. Like, that is something he could do to to make someone torture them, which is what he enjoys doing. So, he thinks he's got away with it because he's a fucking idiot. And then, basically, he's drugged uh, by Julian, who is this big bodybuilder character who is now helping uh, the writer and the writer. And uh, the two two of the writer's friends who basically find out that during his process or the Ludovico treatment technique that was used on him uh, because they used Beethoven which is his favourite piece of music uh, over some of the concentration camp scenes he now whenever he hears Beethoven feels sick that violently sick feeling that feeling like he wants to kill himself yeah. they lock him in a room play Beethoven's Beethoven. ninth, ninth Beethoven's ninth symphony yeah. uh, they play it and he is they're constantly playing it to the point where he wants to kill himself he jumps out of the bloody window yeah and he's like, oh, I want to snuff myself. And then he, he yeah. doesn't because he wakes up in a hospital. And lo and behold, he's banged up, but he's uh, he's 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 gonna he's gonna pull through. Mm. And this is where the film has a chance to or the story has a chance to punish the character further or not not sort of flip flop on the stance that has gone on. Because obviously he's suffered. I'm not saying that he's not suffered. Has he suffered enough? Probably not. I mean, he served two years in prison and then he's had a day wandering around some of the old spots. He's got a bit wet. He's got a bit wet and felt sick a few times, which is obviously terrible because it apparently feels terrible. Has he suffered for what he's done? Raping, murdering, Mm. uh, his general lack of empathy towards anybody or any situation? (laughs) Um, No. 
But the mm-hmm. film and the story takes an interesting twist where it basically says, like, look, the government, because you jumped out the window, which is what these liberal people wanted you to do, they wanted you to kill yourself, basically, to prove that this form of uh, fixing, and I use the quotation marks, uh, uh, air quotation marks. Yep, doing uh, that well. Yeah, cheers. Uh, criminals is wrong. Because like you said, Gareth, it takes away that idea of free will, the idea of choice. It yeah. turns people insane. It turns them not being able to choose to do good. Mm. Um, it, it takes away that the idea of what good is, you know? Well, it just, it takes away the essence of humanity, doesn't it? It takes exactly. away who they are as a as a human being. Exactly. I mean, he is a despicable human being, so, um, you know. But it is what it is. Mm. So he finds out that the government's in trouble because of that. Um, everyone's like, oh, no, what have they done to him? Poor Alex. Poor Alex. Woe is him. Alex is okay now. He's recovering. That's good. That's great. A little psychiatrist comes in. She tests him. Did you enjoy the little test that he did there? That was a good test. It was actually quite a fun test because I was just sitting there playing along with it. Yeah, it was. Uh, but what the fuck? How would you respond to, isn't the plumage beautiful? <laughs> how would you respond <laughs> to that? Tell me now. First thing that comes to your head. Yes, very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Know. You have uh, scored psychopath. Yeah, that sounds like a very sociopathic answer. <laughs> really, um, really what, weird. The test is basically like like a kind of like a Rorschach test, I guess. But yeah. someone, there's a situation or a scene, there's two speech bubbles, someone's saying something. And, and you have to fill, fill in, in the blank the speech blanks. bubble. Yeah, quite hey, a fun game. Len, you can do what you want with these eggs. Eggsy wegsies. Mm, I'd like to smash them over your head. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said and then so they go through this test and it's clear that from the way he's laughing and chuckling maniacally as well I'd like to add because he is a maniacal character and he's giving very violent responses he's giving violent responses you can sort of tell he's like been rehabilitated from this state where any violence or sexual violence or anything sexual he then throws up you can tell that he's they're trying to fix him basically yeah Rock. Yeah, because the psychiatrist is quite happy with his... Yeah, she's like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. You're maniacally saying you want to kill people. Yeah. Lovely, very good. I want good. to smash the eggsy <laughs> Oh, good, lovely. Oh, lovely, That's great. lovely. Would you like to make an omelette or scrambled? Or... No, uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, we can see that he's, he's getting on well. Uh, then the Minister of the Interior, who is the one who chose him for the Ludovico technique, mm. um, rocks up. Sees a good opportunity for a photo op, and uh, you know says, "Look, if you if you do right by us, if you say that we've fixed you, if you do all this, we'll give you a nice job, we'll give you a nice salary, um, and all this will go away, and it's all going to be lovely. You just got to play along." And he's like, "Oh yes, sir. Anything, sir. Oh yes, right, 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 right." Whilst he's being fed, whilst he's being fed, and going. But the Minister of the Interior is literally feeding him spoonfuls of food. And he's going... Yeah. Kind of reminded that me face, of the way that I it, eat. Honestly, it is you. Like, it's you. It's, it, I just thought... Slapping around. Mental. Anyway, uh, that was cracking me up. Uh, once again, amazing performance from Malcolm McDowell. It's just, he is, he is hateable in such a way that only good performances can do like yeah. Joffrey in Game of Thrones or you know all these other characters who do such a great job of <laughs> characters that we hate yeah. uh, and basically he says yep yep right is right they come in they wheel in these massive speakers and they play Ludwig van Beethoven's Ninth Symphony uh, and he's like oh, I'm loving it I'm loving it um, and what does he imagine? Oh, he imagines just women naked, naked wrestling women. as 
high powerful men watch on yeah. in like a clouded sort of scene. So he's been cured. He is cured. He's back to his good old self. Yeah. Um, and that's where the film ends, which I think, as I said, for me, shows I haven't really watched anything. It's nothingness in a way that is something, that but it, it is. It just feels hollow. That's the other it, thing. And My some films issue. do leave you feeling hollow. Like yeah. that is fine. Yeah. I I get that that's their intention. Yeah. Um, on I a just Monday afternoon, I wondered what the point was. <laughs> like, yeah. we, what what is the point that you're trying to make here? I don't. There are several different angles to look at it. Obviously, the the, the point of the way that the dystopian world that they live in, the way the government uses people, the way that we view criminals. Mm. It asks lots of interesting questions on that. The way we view violence, the way we view sex, yeah. debauchery. Um, but from this character's perspective, I know that makes us think about things like, you know, but this character never really questioned no. himself legitimately and honestly and no. said why am I like this He's had a, he has a conversation with the reverend at the prison where he's like oh I want to do good I want to be good but you get the sense that's, that's a lie he wants to get so, out yeah he just wants to prison. get out of there as quickly as possible there is not one moment even in his narration where he's like I, re- I feel sorry for what I've done or now I think that wasn't a good idea yeah. <laughs> he's always like and you won't believe it now brothers but where I've wandered into was where I did that heinous crime and crippled that man. But he won't recognise me because... And it, and it's just like... It's quite good, isn't it? Yeah. But it's because he... The, there's nothing redeemable in his, his narration. And it's one of those things that we're actually quite fortunate because in a lot of films, obviously, you don't have the narration to go along with it. We're inside his inner monologue as we're going along with the film. And, and you realise that there is nothing redeemable about him. Um, and, and for me, that... That brings the film down for me because it's sort of like, I know not every film has to have a happy ending and there is never, ever going to be a happy ending in this film, is there? No. 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 It's not. It it didn't need a happy ending. But but you're absolutely right. Like, the only time that he isn't doing anything bad is when he's being brainwashed and can't control it and he hasn't got his free will. Yeah. If he had free will the whole time, he'd he would just, still be doing it. Well, Joe would have been beaten up in the flat for eating toast and trying to be the 100%. new son. 100%. Don't eat toast yeah. on Dim another man's Georgie sofa. Boy would have had a little wrestle in the in the pig trough. He would have fought that old man. He would have thrown him off the well, bridge. Well, Julian would... Yeah, oh, no. Was, yeah, I thought you meant the crippled guy. Oh, God, no, because Julian would have... Julian would have sorted him out. Him. Julian's the big bodybuilder guy. He's God. terrifying. Well, the outfit he is wearing when he opens the door... Yeah. Terrifying outfit. But you've got to say, that is a guy who clearly mm. was bullied at school. Turned to the gym. Discovered the gym. Hey, the gym is a great place. And I know we can't really go there at the moment, but uh, it's a great place. Okay. Um, sure. But overall, that's our thoughts on the film. I have to say, like, I think the score is very good. I think the directing's amazing. I think um, it's such an interesting film, but it's just not enjoyable. And at yeah. the end of the day... Because at the end, the character doesn't have any sort of repentant nature towards what he's done. It makes it very hard to come away from this film with a sense of, I've just learned something from that. <laughs> and I'm not, not all films have to have a point. I mean, as I said in the book, apparently there is a, a chapter where he, much later in life, is repentant for what he's done. Right. And I feel that is really missing in this film. 
and some sense of remorse and if we're wrong write in and tell us i'm sure emma is furiously typing right now going no that's wrong len and gaz you bloody idiots read read more books yeah we do read books but once again not i'm one. not going to be i'm not going to be like chomping at the bit to go and what, read a clockwork orange no and i mean it might be brilliant and maybe 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 kubrick's well actually you know the shining mm. for example it's a great it, novel but people a lot of people either love the novel or love the film because they're quite different because they're quite different this so, is apparently quite faithful apart from the ending yeah right okay whereas the shining is literally has different ending to what goes on and literally i mean a different it's a very different book yeah. to, to the film i, I, I mean but go then, read it it's great if the movie had the ending would it have worked for you Better. It would have been. Be- it would have worked for me better. Would it have taken it to a five? Maybe not, because I still didn't necessarily enjoy it. Depends how they handled that end scene. Yeah. But I will say that it would have helped it, me come away from it with a not a lesson learned, because I don't need to learn a lesson like this. I luckily I don't think like this guy. My name is <laughs> Alex, though. Mm. And and the, you do eat like him. I do eat like him. And when his mother was knocking at the door, going, Alex. Oh my god. N- Alex, I was like, I was getting flashbacks because that's literally, she sounds just like my mum. 100%. And I was like, oh my God. You've got to go to school, Alex. Why haven't you been? Literally, that that probably is right. Um, Get the fuck out of bed. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely not like this guy, I promise. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's it for Clockwork Orange. And you um, drink a lot of milk. I don't drink milk. No, I know. No, yeah, good. Um, I was like, do I drink milk? I was like, <laughs> no, really I don't. Don't. <laughs> don't even know what I do. Brainwashed. Um... So that's it for Clockwork Orange. Thank you very much, Beth, for, you know, commissioning us to watch this. I will say, um, did we enjoy it? It was all right. Uh, will we watch it again? No. no. Uh, I think I've seen it enough times now. Maybe I'll watch it again in 10 years' time when I need a retrospective on it again and see how my thoughts have changed. Once every 10 years. Um, or if anybody listening yeah. wants us to do it again. <laughs> That's a good point, Gav. If anyone wants to, to commission a podcast um, of their own, they could go to patreon.com forward slash fan critical. And on there, you have the option to, uh, there's several tiers. Basically, you give us some money, some dollary dues mm. every month. And you do get more things. You get access to our Discord channel. Um, there's a little community on there. You can ask us questions on there. You also get access to our cast episodes, which there will be more of, I promise, where we recast um films with different actors usually with yep. hilarious results they're short bite-sized podcasts but they're good fun i'm terrible at it you are pretty i'm bad really at it. bad at john's it. pretty good at it uh, it was his idea so i think he's got like a little pad and paper I and he I, writes loads of I ideas think I cast madonna once yes yeah, it's bad danny devito gets a lot of casting in a lot of films uh, <laughs> and so does dwayne the rock johnson for some reason yeah. um pair them up pair them if anything the new what's that twins yeah, yeah. the new twins <laughs> But with Danny DeVito still. <laughs> Get Arnie back in there. Where is this going? Uh, but there is a section on there where you can um, commission a podcast. Uh, but go to patreon.com forward slash fancritical uh, to find out more about that. Any support would be amazing. Any subscriptions would be amazing. If you know anyone w- which would like some of the shows that we've been doing at the moment, like How the Fuck Have You Not Seen That? Yep. Where we go through our closets of shame. We've got uh, Worst of Netflix yeah. is going Big strong. Time. We've Big got time. another episode coming up couple of weeks couple of weeks so there's lots going on here even though the film industry and the tv industry has slowed down majorly due to covid19 we have not we have not we are still chugging along um and any reviews we love those don't we gareth yes leave us a review um, itunes whatever we love those 
Or Five bloobs preferable. Podcast addict. Yeah. People apparently use that. All four of us. Yep. So, uh, yep. Thanks, Gaz. Thanks for being with me on this. No problem, mate. Thanks uh, for coming over. No worries. Watching on evening. a Monday afternoon. Monday evening. We can do Mental. that. We can do that. Thanks, everyone. And see you next time. See ya. Ride, ride. <laughs> <laughs> Exy, wexy.